The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Begin a new series titled, it's not going to be a 14 part series. <laughs> the way I'm looking at it is going to be like a two to four part series. Two to four part series. As God, as God helps us. Titled, Altar, the meeting place. Everybody say, Altar. The meeting place. Everybody say, The meeting place. <clears throat> Alter the meeting place. An altar is where God, the summary, summary of what an altar is, is where God meets with man. Where God and man it is it, it, it is a it is in the in the Old Testament it is usually a raised surface or a collection of stones or or a huge stone that that God says to His people raise for me and He comes and He visits them or after He's visited them they say wow God is in this place uh, and they raise an altar and an altar is a place of meeting between divinity and humanity is a place where the maker of the heavens and the earth makes contact with us his people in the new testament application you know in the new testament you know i know some people are still raising altars you know which is if it's led by god which is fine if it's led by god you know physical stones and all that stuff. For instance, we said that when we are done, we are going to have a prayer place in this place. And there's going to be um, the names of everybody will be engraved on the stone. As prayer is prayed on, if you are clapping, clap, my friend. As prayer is being made day and night before God, our names will be born day and night before God. Hey, Pastor, but you don't have my name. We do. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So, so that, that's, that's an altar. We have been led to do that and we will do it. However, in the New Testament, an altar goes beyond that, far beyond that. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the word of God says to us, it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. So, so at, at, the, at the center of the temple in the Old Testament is the altar. 
And God is saying to you and I that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So at the center of your body, your heart is the altar of God. Praise the name of the Lord. So your heart is, 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 is the most important. Your body is the important, but your heart is the most important bit because out of your heart flows the issues of life. If the heart is contaminated, the life is contaminated. If the heart is consecrated, the life is consecrated. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and God, Jesus takes this further and, and, and says in Matthew 18, 20, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst, which means I come down to that altar. When we congregate in his name, the difference between the church and Rotary Club, there's nothing, I don't have anything against Rotary Club, is what? Jesus. We are gathered in his name. The difference between the church and, 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 and village meeting is we are gathered we are gathering together unto him. You know that song? We are gathering together unto him. Unto the Lord shall the gathering of his people be. We are gathering together. Peter puts it this way. He says that God has made us lively stones. The altar of God has come to life in us. Praise the name of the Lord. So you and I, and that is so powerful, are carrying the altar of God. And I'm, I'm taking this a step further. Are, are you following me? We started from the Old Testament. I'm taking a step further. You and I are now supposed to be altar builders. You and I are supposed to build altars. One of the most, one of the, if, you know, I was by the dying bed of my spiritual father and he was saying to me, that you know we we he is he still is he's with Jesus now. Praise the name of the Lord. He was saying to me that your heart is the most important thing for me. Guard your heart with all your life. And then, of course, I, I knew that you know, but you know, I was like, okay, come on, I, you know, who doesn't know that? But let me tell you something. That is the most important thing in ministry your heart. This work we are doing is a heart work. President of the Lord is a what? Is a heart work. And if there's any secret in being a successful Christian, being a successful businessman, being a successful professional, being a successful someone in ministry, minister, the secret 
is learning the art of building altars. Hmm. Learning the art of what? Building altars. I can give you examples of my life over and over and over and over and over again. Of building altars. Of building altars. Of building altars. In a place of prayer, building altars. For instance, I've built an altar with God in my prayer walk. It's an altar before God. I go before God, midnight, everybody's sleeping. I hit the street of the place I live in. And I'm, guess where I am? I am not in the estate. I'm on the altar. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So that is the meeting place. And I service the altar consistently. I service it. I show up. I show up. I show up. I've come today, my Father and my God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I've just come to adore you, to worship you. You are beautiful beyond description. And I go on and I go on. I am servicing the altar. You have to learn how to build an altar. You have to, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to start by teaching you. But as, as we go on, we are going to delve into more details. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. As man and wife, you must have an altar. They call it a family altar. Mm. It doesn't negate your own. Even if it is not every day. I know some people do theirs every day. Fantastic. We don't do, do ours every day, but we do. Uh, praise the name of the Lord. You must have an altar where you come together and, and, and pray and worship. And not, you see, prayer is a sacrifice on the altar. We're going to get to that. Prayer is a sacrifice on the altar. Another example is when I have an issue, I build an altar in my heart concerning that issue. God will help you. God will help me to explain this and help you to understand it in Jesus' name. Let's say that something is paining me. I'm using plain terms that everybody can relate to. I take that thing and I build an altar for it before God. And I service the altar. Sometimes I'm sowing a seed towards it. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting out prayer time towards it. I'm cutting out worship time towards it. I am, it, is, it takes my focus at that time of altar. I build an altar for my business. For instance, I'm a business person. I build an altar for for. God's favorite house, I'm sure you know that. I build an altar before God. That is the power of success. And I show up and I service it and I show up and I service it and I show up and people and a miracle happens. And people say, wow, God is faithful. Yes, he is. 
It's faithful. Praise the name of the Lord. He is. And there are two factors. Major factors. There are other factors. Two major factors when it comes to building an altar. Next week, we'll delve deeper into those two factors. But we're going to touch it, touch them. Then we'll go to other things that pertain to the introduction of this um, series. Then, then we'll be done. Two major factors when it comes to building an altar. The first is faith. Everybody say faith. And the second is sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Faith and sacrifice. Let's start with faith. The faith factor. Hebrews 11.6 Hebrews 11.6 Hebrews 11.6 The word of God says And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those that sincerely seek him. You know, God is saying, the word of God says that he that comes to God must believe that God is, God exists. So the first factor in building an altar is what? Faith. It's faith. Let's take the simple altar of, of praying that I, that I give, give the illustration. When I step out of my gate, I believe in my heart with all the cells of my body that as I step out of my, of my gate that God opens the heavens and attends to me. I believe that. If you don't believe it, you cannot sustain it. Some of us, we've built, we have abandoned altars that are gathering cobwebs. But today, they're going to catch fire. In the mighty name of Jesus. Some of us, we start by building an altar to God on an issue. We start. We sow towards the issue. We pray towards the issue. We do this towards the issue. After a while, we forget. Or we just don't believe. God is a rewarder of those that what? Diligently seek him. What I'm teaching you today, if you get it right, and I pray you will, your life will totally, totally change. It will separate you from the pack. Totally change. He that comes to God must what? Believe. The faith factor is the first factor in building an altar. Because when you build an altar, it can appear foolish. I have other altars. I'm just remembering them in my life that I'm building and I'm maintaining I'm sustaining. I will share them with you when the testimonies come. <laughs> Learn to build these altars. So the first one is the faith factor. The second one is what? The sacrifice factor. The sacrifice factor. In Genesis 4 from verse Three, this is, well, as far as recorded um, scripture is concerned, um, the first altar that was raised to God. Genesis 4, 3. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift 
to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Now, what was playing on here, out here is, is simple. You know, Adam and Eve has taught their children, this is how you contact God, meeting place with God. You build an altar. You bring a sacrifice and you put it on the altar and God comes and consumes the sacrifice and he attends to you. That's that they, they must have taught them. This was before the law. So people that say that oh, Old Testament is the law. This was far before the law. That is the nature of God that we, the God that we serve. Now, Abel brought a sacrifice. They both brought, uh, um, but Cain brought something that looked like a sacrifice. <laughs> a gift. God accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected Cain's gifts. Why? Because one was a sacrifice and one is how much can I give this hungry God? Yeah, give him one to bow, yeah. Mm, give him mm. God is not a beggar of anybody. He has the power to accept and to reject. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, he reserves the right to reject an offering. So one was a sacrifice, one was a gift. One was a, was a dash. One cost. I mean, everyone that works with God knows the power of the altar. David, what, when, when David counted and, and, and um, the people, the censors, the false censors that Joab tried to dissuade him from doing, and, and God began to attack the, the nation. And, and, and you know the story, David chose God and God stayed the judgment at the threshing floor of Onan, the Jebusite. And David, and Onan, and David says, I, I need to raise an altar to God in this place. And Onan says, King, with all pleasure, take my threshing floor. David said something. He says, no, I won't take it for free. I will pay for it. Why would I pay for it? It says, because I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. I will not give to God change. I will not give to God things that if I give it to God, I will feel that I've given anything to God. I will not give to God. You know, so I've been in places, I mean, because Christians are nice people and, you know, very nice people. And, 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 and they say that um, it's time to receive an offering. Check your neighbor. If your neighbor doesn't have an offering, put an offering to their hands. Have you heard that before? I, I, I appreciate their hearts, good intentions, but it's not anyone that works with God will not collect such an offering. Because it doesn't cost you anything. David said, I won't give God what is convenient. 
I will give God what is sacrificial. To get out of the, of the back to the example, of the house at, at whatever time and pray is not convenient. To get out and pray at midnight and pray for people. I never pray for myself. Is it convenient? No. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. We are here today in God's favorite house because of the sacrifices of some people. Praise the name of the Lord. Some people have prayed for this land to happen. Some people have given for you to be sitting here. Not just giving, giving sacrificially. For service to all today, some people have been here since before dawn. Sacrificing their time. Sacrificing their energy. The kingdom of God is born on the back of sacrifice. You cannot go farther than the level of your sacrifice. Check. Where you are today is because of the sacrifices you made yesterday. If you're a graduate today, it was because you sacrificed to go to school when your mates are making quick money by um, selling pure water. You sacrificed. If you're in any position in your office today, you know you sacrificed time, hard work to get and where you will not get to is where you are unable to sacrifice for. Largely. Largely. Praise the name of the Lord. So those are the two major factors when it comes to the altar. Now, let, let's take a closer look at the altar. The values of the altar. Four of them that we'll look at, I'm sure that there are a lot more, a whole lot more. But we'll look at four and we'll be done. The first is that the altar is a place of alignment. Everybody said the altar is a place of alignment. I wish you could see the graphics on this screen. This thing is not doing justice to it. It's just beautiful. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm sure those on the internet will agree. The, the altar is a place of alignment. It's a place of alignment. Alignment meaning we are able, we are um, going this way and it's fine. Yes, I'm good. Okay, some of us can sit. Don't worry. <laughs> Not everybody can sit. Isn't that lower thought beautiful? <laughs> Sorry, back to spiritual things. <laughs> Living canal things. Sorry, you guys on this side, you can't sit, but it's okay. You can get the DVD later. <laughs> it's a place of alignment. 
in Genesis 32, you can read when you get home. Jacob <laughs> had to be realigned with God to enter his destiny as it were. And many of us, we are so focused on our destinies and focused on our destiny and it's good. Destiny is good. But your direction is more important than your destiny. Absolutely. Because your direction determines your destiny. Why are you so consumed with the fact that you want to get to VI, you want to get to VI, you want to get to, but you are not paying attention to the fact that you are facing a bear. And you are going very fast with all the energy. I will get to VI, I will get to VI. One day, one day, I will arrive. One day, one day. But you are facing a bear. So destiny is key, I know, but your direction determines your destiny. So, so what the altar does when, when, you, when you visit and raise an altar, it realigns you. Some of you, you are facing a prayer, you want to get to VI, and when you visit your altar, God will change you, the compass and move the car and face you back to VI. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. And when you are faced back to VI, you have the right direction, then you can be going. That's the key thing. The place of the altar is a place of alignment. Some of us are out of alignment. We have been, some of us we are actually have been going towards VI, but for some reason, our tire has just been deviating and deviating and deviating and deviating, and we are going towards the Atlantic Ocean. But God will realign us. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Why? Because we are consumed by our destinations. It's not just the destination. It's the direction. You, a wise man said, he, says, he said, you cannot change your destination overnight. But you can change your direction overnight. You cannot change your destination overnight. Some of you, you have been negative habits. You've been going in the wrong direction. <laughs> and you pray a prayer on the altar and you actually realign, but you wake up the following day, you are still where you were and you are wondering, how come my destination has not changed? What has changed is your direction. Keep going. Your destination will soon change. Praise the name of the Lord. Keep going. So for instance, um, we have a skinny guy that says, I want to have muscles, right? He has been sleeping. He has not been eating well. No gym, nothing. Right? He remains skinny. But he says, I want to grow muscle. I want to be a muscle man. So I am going to register in the gym. And he hits the gym. Is that the right direction? Yes or no? And he changes his diet. Is that the right direction? Yes or no? Then he carries some weight. That carries some weight. That almost breaks his back. Then he wakes up the following day. He goes to the mirror. And he does this. 
and you still see bones. I was like, man, I thought I was in the right direction. Yes. But you are not at the destination yet. Praise the name of the Lord. That should encourage somebody here. Don't give up. Just keep on. It appears that the muscles have not come out yet. Keep working the gym. It appears that all we can see are your ribs. The six packs are coming. <laughs> it appears. And when you stand in front of the mirror, it's only your bones we could count. But very soon, your muscles will be bulging. The power of the altar is it realigns you and keeps you realigned. And because many of us are not aligned, we, we are in the danger largely of, of destroying our lives. And for many that are aligned, they are not even moving. I need to just mention that. It's not enough to be aligned. You have to move. Most Christians are, are not in the danger of destroying their lives. They're in the danger of wasting their lives. Most of us, we are not in the danger of destroying our lives. If we check, we are in the danger of wasting our lives. We don't have any destructive habits. We are good. We love Jesus, but we are not moving. So number one is that the altar is a place of what? Alignment. Number two, the altar is a place of memorial. The altar is a place of memorial. The altar is a place of memorial. In Joshua chapter 4, 6 to 8, write it down. Read it when you get home. God was saying to Joshua, tell the 12 tribes to bring a stone each and set up a memorial. Why? So that they will always remember what I have done for them. Number one. So that it will also be a pointer to what they have forgotten, what they should never remember. The punishment and the slavery of Egypt. So altars help us remember what we should never forget and forget what we should never remember. Altars serve as a memorial to help us remember what we should never forget. And forget what we should never remember. So that's the key to identity. When you set up an altar, you know, the, the, the word of God says that when your children ask you, Mommy, why, why are we um, always um, thanking God in the morning? If, you, if that is the altar that you are setting up, that all my generations will wake up in the morning, we are going to lie flat on our faces. You know, some people say, where is it written in the Bible that you like to find? It's not written. But that's we. 
the only family money is when we wake up. We lie flat on our faces. Mommy, why do we lie flat on our faces? Because God delivered us from the shackles of hell. Because your father was a nobody, but God anointed him and put his favor upon his generation. That is why we are doing it. Never forget. So, so, so the, the, when you build an altar, it makes sure you remember the things you should never forget. The problem with us, many of us, is that we forget the things that we should never forget and remember the things that we should forget. God says, remember not the former things. Neither consider the things of, you, of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. But that's what people want to remember, the former things. God says, I want to do a new thing. Now shall it spring forth. Shall you not know it? This is what I want you to see. This is what I want you to remember. And that is what the altar does for us. And it's the key to identity. So when your children are growing up, they know that in this house, oh, when we're growing up, they told us many, in this house. In other words, in case you are visiting your friends and that's not how it is done there, but in this house, this is, we don't go late to church in this house. Say, but, but, uh, my, my friends won't come until the middle of the service, but in this house. So, it sorts out the issues of identity. They know who they are. They know who they are. And, and when you are who God has made you to be, you will not be in competition with anybody. When you are who God has made you to be, you will not be in competition with anybody. The reason why people are in competition anywhere is because they don't know who they are. It's a sign that you, you, don't, you, you lack your identity, you have an identity crisis. So you need to outdo the other person to feel fulfilled. But if you know who you are, you are who God has made you to be. Have you heard it before? And I'm praying that when you step out of this place, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you say that lady, she's in a class of her own. Oh, that man, no, 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 no. That one is in a class of his own. You know, you can, you know, you can just, but that one, in a class of his own. At work, they will say concerning you, oh, that guy is in a class by himself. Why? Because you draw your identity from who? You, are, you don't strive. The people that know God don't strive. <laughs> listen, listen. The people that know God don't what? They don't strive. They don't politic. They don't backbite. They don't think they have to pull this person down to get... No, 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 no. The people that know God, the scripture says that they will be strong and they will do exploits. The people that know God know that they are, as they are entering their office, angels are entering with them. They know. They know the angels have access to files. I can shuffle things. They know. So they are not disturbed. So when we remember what God says about us, we actually forget what people say about us good or bad. 
when you service the altar and you are communing with God, when the remembrance of what God says about you is fresh in your mind, you forget what people are saying about you, good or bad. So, you are not defined by the praises of men, neither are you defined by the criticism of men. People criticize you. Maybe when you hear, maybe it can hurt, but you see, when you visit the altar and you focus on Jesus and Jesus tells you who you are, you forget what they are saying about you. Why? Because what God says is what defines you. But, like someone, someone put it so well, when we are obsessed with what people are saying about us, it's proof that we have forgotten what God has said about us. When you're obsessed about somebody criticizing you, calling you names, abusing you, passing wrong information about you, if that is your obsession, it's proof that you've forgotten who God says that you are. If your obsession, even, is not just criticism, if your obsession is praise, you have to be immune against criticism and praise. If your obsession is praise, ah, they said my ear is nice. Oh, they said my ear is nice. But they said it on Monday. But this is Friday. Oh, they said my ear is nice. It's good for people to compliment you, right? But that should not define you. Otherwise, you'll be in trouble. Because when people are happy, they will compliment you. When they are sad, they will criticize you. So your, your barometer will be going up and down. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <clears throat> so number one, the altar is the place of alignment. Number two, the altar is the place of Memorial. Number three, the altar is a place of spirituality. Jacob, he says that there was a ladder that goes from here to heaven and there are angels ascending and descending and ascending and descending. There's a lot of spiritual activity going on. Even on this land already. Praise the name of the Lord. The altar is a place of spirituality. It is where the old man dies and the new man comes to life. The altar is when my flesh dies and the spirit of God is empowered and rekindled in me. The altar, okay, take a, a simple example of setting up I give that example as sacrifice on God's altar. People that come in and make sure that service holds. is a sacrifice on God's altar. They wear beautiful shoes. I looked at the lady's shoes today. I almost laughed. I said, I need to take a picture of this so that when we move into the church, say amen. amen. When the church is built and complete, completed, I will show you the picture. Remember the days. But guess what? Selfish people don't serve. Selfish people don't serve. 
Even among the workers, there are selfish people. They will say, ah, they, are, they will be work, work, service is nine. Work, me, I will come in at 8.45. After all, the people that are doing the work, they will have gotten dirty so that we can enter cozy. Selfish people don't serve. Oh, it's on the screen. Put it up. Everybody say, selfish people, selfish don't, people. Serve. don't serve. They don't serve. Check. If you are married to a selfish person, I'm sorry for you. They want to be saved, but they don't want to serve. They don't want to save you. And marriage is bliss because we serve one another. So if one party is selfish, he or she wants to be saved. And he or she will not roll up his or her sleeves and wash the feet of the other person. Why? Because selfish people don't serve. Your husband needs to get something done. But you are selfish. You just want just give me the money, you can go. Or your wife needs to get something done because you are selfish. You can't even lend a hand to help her. You know, you're just selfish. I need to read the newspaper. Oh, oh, newspaper is more important than... It's simple. Selfish people don't serve. But what happens at the altar is you die to yourself. At the altar, you die to yourself. The example of the church again. Selfish people think the church is for them. The church must serve them. But I have news for you. You are the church. <laughs> Say, look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor. Say to them, you are the church. And the church does not exist for me. We are the church and we exist for the world. Everybody say, read on the screen, the church does not exist for me. We are the church. We exist for the world. Say it again. The church does not exist for me. We are the church. We exist for the world. A lot of people, oh, ah, what can the church do for me? What can the church do for me? <laughs> See, you are the church. What are, what are we doing for our community? What are we doing for the people that are far from God? And, and when, you, when, you, when you visit this place of, of spirituality, the altar, some questions we, you will have to deal with inevitably at the, at the altar. You have to deal with some questions inevitably. The first question, I mean a lot of questions though, but in this order, I'm, going to, I'm just not really that. You're going to begin to deal with questions, is there a habit God wants me to break, to stop? Is there something I'm doing that is a habit that God wants me to stop? When you raise an altar, you service an altar, you have to deal with this question. For some people, you are hooked on pornography. You don't need the prophet to tell you that that's an habit God wants you to stop. For some of us, it's something as harmless, quote unquote, as gaming. 
I love to play games. I can play games from morning till night. But at some point, I have to say to myself, Femi, you need to let these games rest so that you can focus on God. It could be something that is destructive or it could be something that is harmless. But it's something that has taken the place of God. Albeit harmless. You need to deal with that question. And that question you may need to, you will, I'm sure, need to deal with at the place of altar. Is there something that God wants me to start doing? Is there something that God wants me to start doing? At the place of the altar, God is going to challenge your spirituality. God is going to say, you have been praying for two minutes. Kucha, kucha prayer. Kucha, kucha prayer. You know kucha, kucha prayer. God may want to challenge you to take it up a notch. Or uh, it could be someone that God wants you to meet their need. It could be, but it's something that the Holy Spirit will prompt you. And that question you will deal with in the place of altar that will increase your spirituality is that, is there something that God wants me to be consistent with? Is there something that God wants me to be consistent with? And that question that you will deal with in the place of altar that will increase your spirituality, is there someone that God wants me to forgive? Is there someone that God wants me to forgive? Even as you are sitting down here, I'm asking you, is there someone that God wants you to forgive. But pastor, if you knew what is there someone that God wants you to forgive? If you knew what they did to is there someone that God wants you to forgive? Another question that you will deal with is is there a step of faith that God wants me to take? Is there a step of faith that God wants me to take? Am I sitting now cozy in my safe zone and God wants me to, to take a step of faith? Is there a step of faith? Is there a sacrificial step that God wants me to take? Well, I'm here to tell you that there is. <laughs> Praise the name of God. <laughs> oh, yes. There is. Number one, the altar is a place of alignment. Number two, the altar is a place of memorial. Number three, the altar is a place of spirituality. Number four, the altar is a place of gratitude. The altar is a place of gratitude. The altar is a place of gratitude. In God's favorite house, we are building an altar of gratitude to God every first Sunday of the month. Every first Sunday of the month, we, we call it what? Our Thanksgiving Sunday. It's an altar of gratitude. We are deliberately setting us outside a Sunday that we will come before God and we will say what? Thank you. We say thank you every other day, yes, but we will say thank you specially to God. We will. Right? Because gratitude can begin in the heart, in your heart, 
But gratitude is not complete if it is not expressed. You can believe it beginning your heart, but it's not complete if it's not ex- expressed. Take back to your relationship. Relationship with your spouse, for instance. You are grateful for what she has done or he has done, but you never say it. Then eventually, things really go bad. They say, hey, but you know that I'm grateful now. Didn't you know? Have you heard that before? <laughs> Did you know I love you? Oh, I didn't need to say it. God sees my heart that I love you. Even though I don't say it, it's not very useful in your heart if you don't say it. <laughs> it's not what? It's not very useful in your heart if it is not expressed. At work with your colleagues, they help you do stuff. Gratitude. Gratitude. And the altar is a place of gratitude. Praise the name of the Lord. When an altar is set up, fire comes from heaven. When an altar is set up, fire comes from heaven. As you leave this place and begin to set up these altars in your heart, altars that God wants you to set up, God will respond by fire. In the name of Jesus. As you go to the altar, the altar, the place of alignment, the things that are out of alignment, we come back to alignment in Jesus' name. The place of memorial, you remember the things you should never forget and forget the things you should never remember. Altar, the place of spirituality where you die to yourself and you live you come alive to God and it's a place of gratitude let's bow down our hearts let's bow down our heads I want you to begin to talk to God from your heart talk to God You are here, you are saying, my heart is defiled, pastor. This altar of mine, I need it to be cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Also, if you, if you responded the other time, I want to pray with you again as a double portion, as it, as it were. And I want to give you a card, actually, in addition to praying with you. But you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated. I said, Pastor, please pray with me. This, this altar is defiled. I need Jesus into my heart. Put up your hand now over your head. Wherever you are seated. You don't need to come forward. God bless you right there. At the back. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. Right there, my brother. God bless you.